Amen. Well, this weekend, saints, we uh, have been uh, under this kind of uh, overall subject of watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. And uh, we focused more on the first two sessions uh, on the side of watch, watchfulness, and especially uh, uh, the burden coming from Romans 13.11, that we should know the time. We should know the time. We should understand, discern the times, as it says in the Gospels. The Lord, the Lord charged us to discern the times. And in First Chronicles chapter 12, talking about the children of Issachar, men who understood the times that they might know what Israel should do. We should be such. We should be those who understand the time, who know the times in which we are living, in history, in the church age, and especially so close to the second coming of the Lord. Dear saints, the things of these past, this past year and a half, we have to not just receive this in a kind of passive way and, and be considering, oh, when, when will this be over? When will we return to normalcy? Actually, we have to see that God moves in history. God moves uh, within the human history. Always you can see the move of God. And we need to ask, Lord, what are you doing? What do you want from me? What should be my response at this time to what you are doing? We need to be those who watch. And the Lord told us that we should watch and pray. Actually, we saw this, that a big part of being ready for his coming is actually to pray. And so beginning last night, uh, we kind of shifted over to this matter of prayer. And uh, anyway, I hope, I hope that you, you have this uh, outline that has been, been prepared. Um, I think it's made, been made more available uh, to you th- this morning. And we covered the first half of this outline last night, uh, and we'll be continuing that as in our to kind of structure our fellowship uh, to, today this uh, this morning. The title of this outline, the title of this outline, is prayer to absorb God and to express God by praying to God as a friend, so that we can co-work with God. By praying to God as a friend, so that we can co-work with God, and we'll see in, in uh, this morning in, in the outline that a, a large part of this outline is based on Genesis 18, which is which is the story of God visiting Abraham, God visiting Abraham while he was there sitting uh, in at the gate of, in, of his tent, and and. Three men appear, and we know that that's God and the two two angels, and those other two angels are eventually the ones that that made their way over to Sodom to rescue Lot. And so Lot is kind of in the background of of this of, of this story, and and so uh, uh, Abraham and God have an interaction, and and we'll get into this more. Uh, in 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 a few few moments, uh, they have an interaction, and by this interaction, um, you can see the intimacy of their relationship. You know, uh, at least three times in the scriptures, it says that Abraham was called the friend of God. A- Abraham, my friend. That's what God says. Abraham, my friend. And, and imagine to, 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 for God to be able to say that about you, to say that about you, my friend. And, and in Genesis 18, at a certain point, we see that God, his heart is expressed this way. Shall I hide from Abraham what, what I'm about to do? Shall I hide? God considered that intimacy with Abraham 
to such an extent that he felt, I can't hide. I can't hide. I have to tell. I have to tell. Haven't you ever had something that that probably needed to be kept secret at least for a little while? But 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 there was one person, there was one person that that you, you just had to tell them. You just had to tell them. Oh, that's your that's what we say would be your confidant. That that's your maybe closest companion. That's that's your friend. You you wouldn't say a secret to someone that you didn't know so well. It's the one you're most intimate with. And so so God found such a one. And and we'll look at some verses in in uh in Ezekiel and in Isaiah in a few moments that shows us God was looking for such a one. God was looking for such a one that that would that would echo what is on God's heart. We mentioned this, we mentioned this yesterday. How many, how many millions, really, million, maybe tens of millions of prayers were offered to God just yesterday on the whole face of the earth? But how many of those prayers, how many of those prayers um, reflected what is on God's heart? You know, the, the pattern in, in, in Matthew 6, the pattern in Matthew 6, when the, when the disciples asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. The Lord gave them a pattern of prayer. And in that pattern, God's need is touched upon first. God's need is touched upon first. The Lord taught us this pattern to pray. Our Father, who is in the heavens, let your name be sanctified. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our bread, our daily bread. So, so yes, it's proper to pray for your own need. But usually, usually, when 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 human beings pray more often than not i think even among god's children the first prayer is for something for us not something for god but we'll find out in in this story abraham oh abraham was one who touched god's heart who knew god's heart so he was god's friend and then this friend became god's co-worker and god is looking for such people to be firstly his friend that could enter into his heart to be those that co-work with him that work that work together with with, with god you know in uh in 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 matthew 25 i like to repeat this I, I mentioned this last night in matthew 25 the lord gives us the way to be ready for his coming and what we see in Matthew 25 is, is two, two parables. The first parable of the ten virgins. And then the parable of the slaves with the talents. That they're supposed to invest the talents and, and to in, increase, right? To make more talents. And, and from this we see two principles. And this shows us, brothers and sisters, that, that when we face the Lord and be clear, Every one of us, every one of us will face the Lord at his judgment seat. This is what he is, is revealed in Romans 14, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We, each one of us personally will face the Lord at the judgment seat to give an account, to give an account. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for the things done in our body, for the things done in our body, the Lord will have given us X number of years, whatever that is. We have no control over that. Some, some, the, the X ha is finite. It, it, it ends and, and we'll, we just go to the Lord. Others, even in this audience today, will actually live to see the Lord's coming. I, I, I noticed, at least in the meeting in, in, in the hall there in, in London, a number of Young people there, oh, dear young brothers and sisters, you're alive in a very, very remarkable time. <laughs> you're, you are most blessed. You are most blessed. You may not realize it. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you are most blessed because 
very possible, very probable even I say, that you will live to see the coming of the Lord. And so, and so this fellowship this morning, uh, <laughs> this is for you to be ready how to face the Lord. Even I, I, I would use the words from Second Peter ch- chapter 3, how to hasten the coming of the Lord. That means how to make it come faster. Oh, you know, it says about David in, in, in Acts 13 that he served his generation. David served his generation. Young people, you can serve your generation. You can serve this generation. How? The top way by serving this generation is actually not by, by being concerned about social affairs and things like that. I'm not speaking against that. Many of those things are noble to help mankind. But I tell you, the best service to mankind, the real service to mankind that will bring peace to this earth is to grow in the Lord, build the church, build today's ark, bring in the kingdom age so that the Lord can reign. That's the biggest service that you can do for your nation, for your generation, for the whole, for all of humanity for all of humanity on the whole face of the earth. We are involved in something amazing. You know, Noah building the ark there, I think his sons, they may not have understood it. They must have wondered, Dad, what are you doing? Everybody thinks you're crazy. And, and, but they, they helped. We know they helped, and they actually built, and they got built into the ark. I mean, they, they entered into the ark. Thank the Lord. Eventually, do you realize what they did turned the whole age? It brought in a new age by entering into the ark life with their parents. Oh, young people, you are in a very, very special and particular time in history. You know, there's a, in in, in Matthew 20, the Lord talks about the first and the last. I don't have time to get into that story, that parable about the, the, the workers who start early in the day and then he hires more throughout the day and then he hours he, he hires at the eleventh hour, which is like five PM and because the, the day goes from six AM to six PM. So the eleventh hour and, and and then they work the shortest time. But they get they get the same reward as everyone else. And then the Lord says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Actually did you know young people that that parable in Matthew 20 is probably talking about you, that, that you, you know, when it says first and last, it's talking about generations. And you may actually be the last, the last generation that, that brings in the coming of the Lord. Oh, that's very special. And so you need to be prepared just like everyone else. So let me come back. That was a little aside to a little word to the young people. I come back to Matthew 25. The Lord tells us two principles, how to be ready to face him at the judgment seat. Dear saints, dear saints, we need to live in the light of the judgment seat. We will face the Lord and we'll be judged based on two things, two things. The first, did you grow in life? Did you grow in life? And number two, number two, were you faithful in service? Faithful in service. Those, those, are the two, those are the two aspects that the Lord will judge us on. And so, and so this, this outline on prayer actually touches both of these aspects. Both of these aspects. How do we grow? Actually, we grow. We grow by cooperating with the growth of the seed of life within us. The more he grows in us, that's how we grow. That's how we grow. And how do we grow? By coming to him, beholding him, and and allowing him to water us, to refresh us, and, and to let our roots go deeper. We saw this last night. We need our roots to go deeper, like that, that Jeremiah 17, 8 like that tree transplanted beside the waters, who sends forth its roots by a stream, 
so that we can we can we can be so flourishing even in in the heat in the intense heat and and the year of drought and and has hasn't this year and a half been a year of drought a year of intense heat a year of testing for all of us actually for everyone on the face of the earth oh that our roots would go deeper in the lord how does that happen by spending time with him by praying contacting him not just kind of traditional prayer but prayer that reaches him prayer that absorbs him and anyway we talked about this part last night that's how we grow and actually you know part of growing when if you're if you're if you're planting something you you not only have to take care of watering to take care of the sunlight you know these are positive things you also have to take take away the weeds take away that any anything that competes with the growth that takes away the nutrients in the soil and and that also occurs saints in our times with the lord the lord wants to uproot other things in us the idols the other things that compete with him that that we love other things that are in our heart he wants to remove the impediments he wants to he wants to to purify us that comes by spending time with him in such a way as described in the first half of this outline beholding him having fellowship with him coming just as we are not trying to be more than what we are and not being held back by any failures Saints, we're all failures. I may be the biggest one. We're all failures. But that doesn't stop us from coming to him. We're going to see that even in in this outline. Come just as we are. Come just as we are. Confess our shortages and absorb his riches. That's growing. But the second aspect is being faithful in service faithful in service how can we be faithful in service the key is here be god's friend know his heart and become god's co-worker then all the work just like what we sang in this hymn in english 786 all the work he will initiate you know the hymn we sang pray to labor with the lord let the lord initiate Let the Lord initiate. That's what we're touching in this part of the outline. Matthew 7 has a strong warning, a strong warning, that when he returns, some will go to him, and he shuts the door. And they'll, they'll, Lord, open to us, open to us. And, and, And didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? And he won't deny it. He, it. You read Matthew 7. It doesn't say that the Lord the Lord then said, no, you didn't, liars, you didn't do that. No, the Lord said what? Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. So I never knew you. I never really, I never approved of you. I never got to know you and you never not got to know me. So you just did whatever you wanted. It's actually just like, the book of Judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And some thinking that they were worshiping Jehovah. Oh, saints, we don't want to hear that from the Lord. When we go to the judgment seat, we actually we actually want it to be a joyous day. That, oh, Lord, you're here. We're here. We're, we're, we've been in fellowship with you. Now we're just closer to you. And he could, And we could hear these words. Well done, good and faithful slave. Enter into the joy. Enter into the joy of your master. That's that's what that's what we want. And that's behind this part of the outline. So with that as a kind of introduction, and also to in case some haven't been with us in the first three sessions, this is a little catch-up so that we could we could uh, enjoy in this session together. So if you have the outline, please. Look, turn to Roman 3 in the outline. Roman, Roman 3. And, uh, 
Okay, we'll, we'll re- read this here. The meaning of prayer is also for us to express God in the first half of the outline. We saw that prayer is to absorb God. Now we see that prayer is also to express God. In Psalm 27, 4, David says that he desired not only to behold the beauty of Jehovah, but also to inquire in his uh, temple. To inquire is to let God speak within us so that the words spoken to him in prayer are actually God speaking within us, God's expression. Now, uh, this is the first time you read this. I think might not be so easy to understand. It's saying here that we inquire of God. So we're at, we're talking to, we're asking him. But as we're asking, we're actually expressing God's will. How is that? That's because as we're beholding, we absorb him, we touch him, we contact him, and he gives us a feel over something. So, so you might be praying, you might be praying, and as you're praying, you have a feeling to pray for what? Maybe you're having that family time later in the month, right? Or is it in November? Anyway, it's coming up, there's a family time coming up for the children. And, and as you're praying, you just have a heart. You, you just remember that. And so you have to inquire, Lord, shall I pray for the family time now? Shall I pray for the family time? Actually, you're expressing what God, what God infused into you. So, so you're inquiring. It's already expressing what's got on God's heart. So then you have to pray, Lord, how shall I pray for this? How shall I pray? And the Lord may put in your heart someone to invite to come to that time. So, oh, Lord, what about this family? That I haven't seen them too much. Lord, what about those children? Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord, bless that family. So our inquiring expresses God's heart. Okay, let's, let's, let's continue. <clears throat> oh, I love this. I love this next point. Real prayer is our coming to God, letting God speak within us, and expressing to God what he has spoken Back to him. Now now we have, this is Psalm 27, 8. When you say, seek my face, to you my heart says, your face, O Jehovah, will I seek. Saints, that's real prayer. We would think, we would think, I think if we didn't have this outline and these points, we would think that prayer is coming to God and speaking to him. But here, did you, did you, did you read what it, what it says here? Real prayer is our coming to God, letting God speak within us. Saints, when we pray, do we let God speak? Or are we too full of words? We come very full. We come with burden. We come with concern, genuine concern. But I would say, Very often, I say this from my own experience in the past and from observation, even in the church prayer meeting, I realize saints sometimes come full, full of words, full of words. Saints, we need to come as empty vessels, come as empty vessels, unoccupied vessels. When, uh, I love this verse, when you say, This is the principle of prayer. When you say, seek my face, my heart says, I'll seek your face. This is is a kind of pray reading. This is a kind of pray reading. The word says, the word says that, that Christ may have the first place in all things. So we say, Lord, you have the first place in all things. Have the first place in all things in my life hour by hour, in my day, in my family, in my job, in my, in my academic career, in my, in my professional pursuit, have the first place. We, we speak to God 
what he speaks to us. Okay. Some more development of this. B says, John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done to you. Have you never been perplexed by this verse? I think many, many Christians, many Christians are, are troubled by applying this verse because it says, whatever, ask whatever you will, it shall be done. And so we ask whatever we will, but it's not done. Have you experienced that? You pray and it doesn't happen. Why? Because actually we have to pay attention to the first part of the verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. If the Lord is abiding in us, if we're abiding in him, if, if it's very interesting, it says, if you abide in me, and here it doesn't say I abide in you. It says my words abide in you. That's why saints in the, in, in even the first night of the conference, we, our encouragement was read the word, read the word, know the word. Know the truth. I'm so happy to know that you're in this series of morning revival on knowing the truth, being absolute for the truth, and proclaiming the truth in the present evil age. We need to be filled with the word of God. The more we're filled with the word of God and his word abides in us, oh, this will affect our prayer. Because by his speak, by his words, his words can become the rhema, R-E-R-H-E-M-A, the rhema, the speak, the spoken word, the living word to us. That's the anointing. The word and the spirit go together. He, he manifests his, his word to us. I mean, his will to us. He manifests his will to us by his words. That's why sometimes out, it seems like out of nowhere, a scripture comes up. A scripture comes to mind. That's his speaking to us. That's not just that you remembered. That's the Holy Spirit reminding you. Expressing his will at that time. So then we just pray according to those words. Then whatever we ask is actually already his will for sure. He will do it. This verse presents three crucial points. Okay, points one, two, and three. First, we must abide in the Lord, which is to remain in fellowship with the Lord. Two, second, the Lord's words must abide in us. When we abide in the Lord and are in constant fellowship with him, he speaks within us. Third, our asking the Lord comes from the Lord speaking within us. If we are in fellowship with the Lord, he will speak within us, and then we will have the words with which to ask him, that is, to pray to him. Oh, saints, I hope, I hope we could practice this. Just be in the word and pray according to the word. Let his words abide in us. Okay, C says, when we really touch, contact, and absorb God, we will, he will speak within us. Then we pray according to his inner speaking. To pray is to go to God, meet God, draw near to God, commune with him, and absorb him so that he can speak to us inwardly. When we pray to him with his words to us, our prayer expresses God. Oh, I, I, I hope, I hope we, can, we can practice this. Now, D has some very important practical principles for our prayer to help us in our prayer, so that we could have the effective prayer. In our contact with the Lord, we need to learn the following, the following principles. We should not direct the Lord in our prayer. We should not direct the Lord in our prayer. Instead, like Saul of Tarsus, we should ask, what shall I do, Lord, not, this is what I will do, Lord. You know, when Paul met the Lord, he gave, uh, this, he gave his testimony of meeting the Lord three times in the book of Acts. And in Acts 22, in this account, he asked the Lord two questions. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And then, what shall I do, Lord? 
you know, that matches, that matches being God's friend and being God's coworker. <laughs> that matches beholding and inquiring, like, like Psalm 27. Who are you, Lord? I want to behold you. What shall I do, Lord? This is inquiring. This is inquiring. Okay. Point two says, when we draw near to the Lord and contact him, he causes us to see our needs and points out our problems, faults, stains, and sins. The way for us to take the living water is to confess these sins to the Lord. Saints, when we come to the Lord, very often when he, when he, we have the inner shining, we, we see something. That's what we, that's what we talk about. We see the Lord. It's not a physical thing, but it's a, it's an inward seeing with the eyes of our heart. And, and what we see, I think we mentioned this already, is really of two categories. Either we see more of the Lord, who he is, what he is to us, his riches, or we see ourselves. Don't be discouraged when you see something about yourself, when he, when he, when he exposes you in something. The, the verses that we have here uh, for this point are John 4. Do you know what story this is? This is the, the, the story of the Samaritan woman when she meets, she meets the Lord. And, and uh, it's very, very interesting that, that the Lord is talking to her about, about finding, the, uh, the, the, finding the water you know, and drinking, drinking of the, the living water. And, and, and um, she says, sir, uh, give me this water. And, and he says, and then he says, well, uh, first call, call, call your husband. Oh, she, oh my husband, I, uh, I don't have, I don't have a husband. She says, oh, that's right. That's right. Because the one that you're with now is not your husband, but you've had five. Oh, and she changed it. Uh, Lord, I perceive you're a prophet. You're a prophet. And so, oh, and she starts talking about some theological things, about the worship of God, the worship of God. Do you see, he wanted to give her the living water. He, he, he wants to give her the living water. What's the way? She has to confess. She has to, she, she, she has to confess her sin. She has to confess her sin. Eventually, you know, when the Lord... Um, when the Lord exposed her, she, she didn't she didn't hide from that. Yes, she was a little uncomfortable. She went this way, that way, but eventually she drank of the living water. She drank of the living water. Actually, the Lord confessed her sin for her. <laughs> the Lord confessed her sin for her. And she drank of the living water. And then she went, come, come see a man. Come see a man that told uh, th that's her gospel come see a man who told me all things that i did what kind of a gospel is that <laughs> not come see the you know the, the the savior come see a man who exposed me what what a wonderful fresh gospel that 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 was so so my point is saints don't don't shy away from the lord don't be afraid of him exposing our sins. Actually, his exposing our sins is to remove the barrier that keeps us from drinking the living water. Our only hope to improve is to drink and eat him. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life. Amen. Okay, the next point says, when we draw near to the Lord to contact him, we should seek the Lord himself as the unseen spiritual matters, not the, the seen physical matters. We should really focus on the unseen things, on Christ himself as the reality of everything. Four says, human opinions frustrate the Lord's power. So not until we are hopelessly weak, an utter failure, and completely dead will the Lord manifest himself to us and to and, uh, and it, uh, manifest himself in us and to us as resurrection power. Saints, isn't this marvelous? The Lord is actually waiting. We're not, we're not dead enough 
We need to be fully dead. We need to be an utter failure, an utter failure, completely dead. Then he'll manifest himself as the resurrection power. That's what we see in the story of of, uh, Lazarus in John 11. Those are the verses that are listed here. Oh, the, the, the sisters. Seems like in this chapter, everybody has an opinion. Everybody, uh, I won't go through it, but first the disciples, the Lord receives news. Oh, Lazarus um, is sick. And oh, won't you go? He says, no, he waited. Then, then he died. Then the Lord wants to go. Then they have the opinion. Now you go. And anyway, then Mary, uh, no, Martha has an opinion. Mary has an opinion. And just on and on, frustrating, delaying delaying the manifestation of resurrection. Do you know human opinions delays resurrection? That's, that's what we see. So we, we, should just, we should just open to the resurrection life and not be frustrated by the failures. Actually, the Lord is waiting for us to be what? Uh, utterly hopeless, a total failure, an utter failure and completely dead. And then he'll manifest himself. Five says, when we draw near to the Lord, we need to let him do what he wills in us. Let him do what he wills in us. I want to read uh, these verses here. Um, um, Peter, this is about uh, uh, in John, John 13. Yeah, I think I have them here. The Lord came and wanted to wash his feet. And when he came to Simon Peter, Peter said, Lord. Do you wash my feet? He had an opinion. He didn't, he, he had his thought about how the Lord should help him. Then, 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 uh, then he, then he says, uh, uh, Peter, what I am doing, you do not know, but you will know after these things. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Peter says, then don't wash my feet only, wash my hands. And my head, that Peter had his thought, how the Lord should come in to deal with him. Very different than Mary. And that's the next verse that we have. You know, Mary, when the Lord came and told Mary, you're going to have a child without knowing a man. Uh, what, she, what is she supposed to say? <laughs> There's nothing more impossible. Nothing more impossible with, than that. So she says this. Because no word shall be impossible with God. And this is Luke 138. And Mary said, behold, the slave of the Lord. May it happen to me according to your word. Behold, the slave of the Lord. May it happen to me according to your word. Oh, that we could have the same response to the Lord. Whenever he comes to us. Whenever he comes to us. Because on one hand, he will expose us and expose our sin. We have to confess. On the other hand, the Lord wants to see that that he has qualified us for a share of the portion of the saints in the light. We are complete in him. In Colossians 2, it says, you have been made full in him. But we might say, well, I don't feel so. I don't. No, no, saints, we should just... Receive the Lord's word. Lord, you are, you are the author and the perfecter of faith. You're the author and the perfecter. It says, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Just say, amen. Amen, Lord. Complete it. Complete it more today. Do what you have spoken. Oh, that we could have such a response to 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 the Lord's to the Lord speaking. We say more in the next point. E inquiring, inquiring prayers honor God. David knew how to pray because he often inquired of Jehovah. After God spoke to David through Nathan the prophet, David sat before Jehovah and told the Lord. Do as you have spoken. How about saints, wherever you are, let's repeat that phrase. Let's repeat that to the Lord. Do as you 
have spoken. Amen. He then told the Lord that because of his speaking, your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And here, saints, in this point E, we have several verses from the book of of, uh, 1 Samuel. And and these verses, these verses are examples. They they are many examples of David's inquiring prayer. I I won't read all all, all the verses or or the whole verse, but I I just want to impress you. You know, David wrote Psalm 27.4. He said he wanted to dwell in the temple of the Lord, to behold and to inquire. But then this was not just in prayer, in in, in his private time with the Lord. In his living, he was one who inquired of the Lord all the time. I hope we could be like this. Just inquire of the Lord. Okay, I'll just run through these verses very quickly. 1 Samuel 23, 2. And David inquired of Jehovah. Shall I go and strike these Philistines? And Jehovah said to Samuel, go and strike the Philistines. We should inquire. Lord, shall I go? Shall, shall, shall I go to visit this young brother? Shall I go to shepherd that sister? Shall I call this one? Shall I call that one? Shall I send a text to greet this one or that one? We inquire. And the Lord will speak to us. First Samuel 23, 4. So David inquired yet again of Jehovah. David inquired yet again. Isn't, isn't, isn't that precious? We should inquire. And then on the way, inquire yet again. First Samuel 38. And David inquired of Jehovah. Shall I pursue after, after this band? Will I overtake them? And he said to him, God said to him, pursue, for you will certainly overtake them. You know, that's very interesting. David, David asked, Lord, should I, should I go, should, should I go to fight? And, and, and then the God, David's second question is, will I win? <laughs> it's good to know the answer to the second question before you actually go to fight. God said, go. And, and God, and, 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 David said, well, will I beat them? And God said, yeah, yeah, you'll beat them. Amen, amen. That gives you more faith to go. I think David was quite smart to ask the second question. Second Samuel 2.1, and after this, David inquired, saying, shall I go up into one of the cities of Judah? And Jehovah said to him, go up. And David said, where shall I go up? And he said to Hebron, oh, saints, here's a a sweet, sweet secret. We may have a feeling to contact a certain, a new one, a young one, just a, a, a brother or sister in the church life, just to say hello, maybe to invite them for some coffee or tea or a lunch or a dinner, a young one just to shepherd them. And we have a burden. Lord, should I contact them? And the Lord, the Lord will say, Amen. Contact them. And then we just go to contact them. Oh, saints, don't do that. We, sh- we should ask, Lord, how shall I go up? How shall I contact them? Should I, should I visit them? Or should I invite them to my home? Should, or should I invite them out somewhere? Then we should say, maybe the Lord leads us to visit them. Then we should ask, Lord, when I visit, what shall I talk about? Should I, should I, should I ask them if they had morning revival? Maybe the Lord would say, no, don't, don't ask such things. Shall I invite them to the, to the next meeting? Or should I just ask them how they're doing? Oh, for, for every step, we should inquire, inquire. This was David's, David's practice. Anyway, there, there's too many examples, too many examples. I'll, 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 I can't be, uh, be detained here because we need to go on from David to Abraham. Okay, now Roman, 
Roman four, which is the main part of this, of this outline. The best prayer, Roman four, the best prayer is to pray to God as a friend. Saints, don't you want to have the best prayer? <laughs> you, you know, this, I, I like to tell you, this, these points come from this book. I'd like to recommend this book to you. This is The Meaning and Purpose of Prayer. The Meaning and Purpose of Prayer. Well, the brothers who were in the Itero, in the elders training last week, for, and, and we went through this message that I'm covering now, message four. Actually, a lot of the excerpts are, are actually from, from this book. The excerpts for that message are from this book, The Meaning and Purpose of Prayer. And there's a chapter in this book entitled, The Best Prayer. Saints, don't you want to know what the best prayer is? So we give you a little appetizer so that you could go and have the, the, the main course and read, hope you would read the book. The best prayer is to pray to God as a friend. Abraham was the friend of God. In Genesis 18, the God of heaven humbled himself in order to befriend Abraham. After he was circumcised and his natural strength was terminated, Abraham lived in intimate fellowship with God and became God's friend. And here we have listed the three verses that mentions that Abraham was the friend of God. Second Chronicles 27, Isaiah 41, 8, and James 2, 23. Oh, I hope we would all have in our heart this prayer. Lord, I want to be your friend. I don't, I don't want just you to be my friend. I want to be your friend. You know, we have, there's a famous hymn. I, I've known this hymn since I was a child. What a friend we have in Jesus. Don't, don't you, do you, do you know this hymn? <laughs> I love this hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Sorry, the translators. Sorry. But that's what a friend we have in Jesus. He's our friend. What song does God sing about friends? To about whom does God sing? Maybe he can only sing about Abraham and about Moses. Oh, I hope that there could be, if God is, sings a song about friends, I hope that there could be a verse about you. I hope there could be a verse about me. I want to be your friend, Lord. I want to be your friend, Lord. Point B says, the glorious intercession that Abraham made before God was a human intimate conversation between two friends, an intimate talk according to the unveiling of God's heart's desire. You know, Genesis 18, that's the basis for, for this portion. In Genesis 18, as I mentioned before, God comes to Abraham. Abraham sees him, runs to him. It says he runs to him. And the other two men that were actually the, the angels, and then, and then he, he, he asked them, come, I'll, I'll give you some, a little, so, some morsels to eat, some morsels. And they agree. They agree. And it almost seems like he's just giving them some refreshments. And, and they agree. But then what he does is he, he runs to Sarah and says, make the morsels and, and, and prepare that. And, and then he runs and gets a calf. And, 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 and actually, he's very busy. He's running a lot in, in the first part of the story. And he runs, and he gets a calf, and, and he, he tells them, prepare the calf. So he invites them for like an, a little snack, but he starts preparing a meal. Now, okay, it's not that Abraham, you know, when you read this, it says, and he ran and gave the calf, told them to prepare it, and then they sat and ate. That's the next verse. So when you read it, it almost seems like, Uh, you know, everything was ready. No, the dinner was not ready. The calf was not even slain yet. The poor calf was alive when when the Lord came. And then he went, got the calf. Then he said, please prepare this. So they had to slay it. Then they had to, you know, do whatever they do to dress it. Then they have to, then they have to cook it. How long did that take? Was 30 minutes? I don't think so. 
maybe some hours, some hours. Do you know during this whole time, God was sitting there with Abraham and they were talking. They were, they were conversing. They were conversing for just time and the things being ready, getting ready. Finally, it's ready and he brings it. And then now, now, no more running. You, you know what it says in this, in this, in, the, in this portion. Uh, let me, let me find the, the, ver- the verse for you. And, and uh, you know, I told you he ran. Abraham ran to, to meet uh, God. Then he ran to the herd. And then he, he, uh, he hurried to prepare the, the whole thing. And then when he served it in, in uh, I think it's verse eight, he says, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. So while God ate, God was eating what he prepared. Abraham stood there. He wasn't running around at that time. He stood. He ran before to make the preparations so that God could eat. Saints, that's what we need to do. We should be busy to get everything out of the way and prepared to sit down with God. And actually here, Abraham didn't sit with God. He stood there and watched. This was beholding. He was beholding God eating and the men eating. How long did it take for them to eat? He just stood there. Then then, when the dinner was done, or as, as all this is going on, then God reveals something to him. It says in, in the time of life, I will come to visit Sarah, and you will have a son. And then says where he says, where's Sarah? He says, she's in the tent. He says, oh, I'm going to visit her. She will have a son. And she's in the tent, and she laughs. And she actually says, she laughs within herself. So God says, why, does, why did Sarah laugh? And, and apparently Sarah heard that. So she comes out to vindicate herself. And she says, I didn't laugh. And the Lord said, uh, what does it say? This is, this is verse, verse 15. And, and he said, no, but you did. But you did laugh. <laughs> oh, they're having, what an intimate talk. What an intimate talk. I didn't laugh. Well, yes, you did. The Lord said, yes, you did. (laughs) God revealed in this talk two things to Abraham. The positive coming of Isaac, the blessing, and the negative judgment of the world, Sodom. God revealed these two things. This, This actually is along the line of Image and dominion. God had something in his heart touching his purpose. You know, Isaac, of course, is a type of Christ. As the seed of Abraham. The blessing to the nations. But to bring that blessing, God has to clear up the world. And so the judgment is coming. That's on his heart, too. Oh, dear saints, the Lord wants to reveal things to us positively and negatively so that we can stand with him and know how to pray. Know how to pray. But this was a conversation, a, 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 a kind of sweet, intimate fellowship. So then they get up and they're walking and it says Abraham was, was like accompanying them. And then God says this, God says this. And verse 17, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Shall I hide? So so <laughs> it's even not Abraham prompting him. It's that in the intimacy, God senses the intimacy so much. And he realizes, I found someone who can echo my heart. I found someone. How can I hide from him what I'm going to do? So, So the Lord tells him, the Lord tells him that, that he is going to judge Sodom. That he's going to judge Sodom. And then, of course, Abraham begins to negotiate for Lot. 
begin to negotiate, to pray for Lot. But very interesting, praise for Lot without mentioning Lot. Anyway, let's continue the, just the reading of the outline. Uh, point C, even before the incarnation, Jehovah as Christ appeared to Abraham in a human form with a human body and communed with him on a human level. As Abraham was enjoying sweet fellowship with God, he received a revelation from him regarding the birth of Isaac and the destruction of Sodom. The birth of Isaac is related to the coming of Christ as grace and the destruction of Sodom is related to God's judgment upon sin. This means that Christ must come in and sin must go out. E, God revealed to Abraham his intention to destroy Sodom because he was seeking an intercessor to intercede for Lot. Here we have Isaiah 59, 16 and Ezekiel twenty two thirty. I'll read those in a moment. God wanted to save Lot in order to protect Christ's genealogy through Ruth, a Moabitess, and a descendant of Lot. So here we have Isaiah 59, 16. And he saw that there was no man. And he was appalled that there was no intercessor. Imagine God was appalled, stunned, shocked. Therefore, his arm accomplished salvation for him and his righteousness sustained him. God is looking for intercessors like this, like Abraham. Ezekiel 22.30 says, And I sought a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the sake of the land, so I will not destroy it, but I found no one. God is looking for proper intercessors, saints. Proper intercessors. And to be those who co-work with God, who pray according to God's will, we first have to enter into the intimate fellowship to be his friend. See, God wanted to rescue Lot for his purpose. Abraham wanted to rescue Lot because of his feeling for Lot, his, his relationship with Lot. That was his nephew. But God had something much further in view. Actually, God had Christ in view. Because through Lot, one day would come Ruth. And through Ruth would come David. And through David would come Christ. So actually, God had something much bigger in you. But he needed, he would not rescue Lot until he had an intercessor for Lot. Very often, God will not act unless we pray. But we have to pray according to his will. Point F says, thus in God's intimate fellowship with Abraham, in a mysterious way, without mentioning Lot's name, God revealed his heart's desire. The proper intercession is not initiated by man, but by God's revelation. Thus, it expresses God's desire and carries out God's will. G says, apparently Abraham was interceding for Sodom. Actually, he was interceding for Lot by implication, showing that we should intercede for God's people who have drifted into the world. Thanks. There, there are many among us. I, I think we, all of us could think of someone, maybe two or three, maybe five or ten or more. They've drifted into the world. The Lord is waiting for some intercessors to pray for them. We need to pray for them. We need to pray out of that intimacy with the Lord and according to his leading. H says, in Abraham's intercession for Lot, he did not beg according to his love and grace. He challenged God according to his righteous way. God's righteousness binds him much more than his love and grace. It's very interesting, God. The way, the way, that, the way that Abraham spoke to God, he, he, said, he said this. Um, let's see. We got the verse here. This is Genesis 18, 25. Starting with 23, 23, 4 and 5. And Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed destroy the righteous with the wicked? 
Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you indeed destroy and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? And then he says this, listen to this verse. Far, far be it from you to do such a thing. This is how he talked to God. Lord, no, 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 no. That's not the way. That's not, that's not how you operate, Lord. I know that's not how you operate. In today's language, people would say, Lord, that's not how you roll. I know that's not how you roll. Sorry for the translators. I don't know how they would translate that. Far be it from you. You know what that means? That, that means, Lord, I know you better than that. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put to death the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should, should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, exclamation mark. Shall the judge of all the earth not do justly? Oh, Abraham had the ground to speak to God in this way. We have the ground to say, Lord, you said that of those whom Father has given you, you would not lose one. So, Lord, I'm praying for one. I'm praying for that one. My brother, my sister, this young person, our, who, among our children, I'm praying for that one. You said you would not lose one. So, Lord, I'm praying according to your word. Saints, do you think, as his friend, you could have the boldness to speak to him in such a manner? I believe he likes us to challenge him in such way, according to his word. According to his word. I says, intercession is an intimate conversation with God according to the inward intention of his heart. For this, we must learn to linger in the presence of God. That's what Abraham did. Abraham lingered. You know, Abraham didn't end this conversation. Jehovah ended this conversation. Jay, Abraham's intercession did not terminate with Abraham speaking with God, but, but with God's speaking, showing that genuine intercession is God speaking in our speaking. Yes, in verse, in verse 33, it says, and Jehovah went away as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. He, meaning God. Jehovah went away as soon as Jehovah had finished speaking with Abraham. Saints, I'm afraid that many, many of our times with the Lord, many of our times with the Lord end with our speaking. Actually, sometimes our times with the Lord end with the clock. Oh, 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 it's time. So I got to go. And we just go. We just end our, our time with the Lord. Are we able to linger with him? And if we can't do this in our morning time, we should find another time that we can just sit there with the Lord or walk with the Lord or stand before the Lord, where, where, whatever in our, is in our situation. And we have the sense the Lord is done for this session. Well, we should check with him anyway. Lord, is that it for today? Is that it for now? And he might say, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go cook. Let's go prepare the dinner. Let's go back to work. Let's go study. Let's go read. But that we can linger with him and he can manifest his heart. Kay says, in our intimate fellowship with God, we receive the revelation that all the impossibilities become possibilities with Christ. Oh, Mary had that, that, that view. She, she said, Lord, behold the handmaiden of the Lord. May it be to me according to your word. She would just said, do what you just said, because I can't do anything about that. Do what you said, Lord. For all things are possible with you. And then we close with point Roman 5, the last point. During the first aspect of our prayer, we enter into fellowship with God, who then anoints us with his burden for the work and reveals his intentions to us. The second aspect of our prayer is then to inquire of the Lord by petitioning him, concerning his will and his burden for the work, then we carry out the purpose of prayer by coordinating with God to co-work with God.
saints, this is to, this is prayer to absorb God. Prayer to absorb God and then to express God so that we could be, we pray as his friend and ultimately as his co-worker. We co-work with God in our prayer. May the Lord bring us into such a prayer life. The, 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 the hymn that is with me uh, is, right now is, uh, I think it's 378 in our English hymnal. Uh, Lead me higher up the mountain. Give me fellowship with thee. May the Lord, may this be all of our prayer. Lord, lead us higher. Lead us higher up the mountain of prayer. Bring us, guide each of us into a deeper fellowship with you, a deeper prayer life with you, so that it's not just for us, but we are co-working with you for, for your purpose. That way, saints, we will always watch and be ready. Amen. I'll stop here. Brothers, I'll turn the meeting back to you.